0: Brandish the barn dance marshmallow, you dreary tinas. Welcome to the Blind By Podcast. What's the crack? If you're a new listener, if you're a brand new, lovely, delicious listener, then go back to an earlier episode. Go back to one around the start. They're not sequential. I just want you to take a little swim. I want you to take a little swim in the shallows. Get your toes wet. Before you go right into the deep end and start listening from here, it's foolish to start listening from here anyway. This this episode is for for seasoned dreary teenas. You need to start off as a as a sweaty Kevin before you can graduate to the position of dreary Tina. It's like Scientology, but for the dreary teenas who are listening right now, this week's podcast is a hot take podcast, but it's so hot. It, it's molten lava, weeping from the devil's rectum, hot. Okay, it's bizarre, and the take is so hot that I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make the decision. The decision is sometimes when you're telling a story, you begin with the ending. Okay, the story begins with a parasite that causes snails to masturbate uncontrollably, and the story ends. With me taking ecstasy live on Irish radio. And in in the middle of all that. I think I can give you a new understanding or definition of what God is. Okay. Last Friday I embarked on some socially distanced pints. Which were fantastic. Alright. I went to. My buddy was down to do some writing with me. We went to two pubs, did it in a very ethical, responsible fashion, sat down, pints were delivered to us, full mask compliance, washing the hands, not touching our face, doing everything, you know, being mindful of my distance to other human beings. I had a successful night of pints and got nice and merry and had fun and conversation and human interaction while maintaining ...complete safety within health guidelines... ...which I was very pleased at myself... ...because that becomes difficult once drink is on board... ...but I think I have the shit sorted... ...and to be honest it all comes down to... ...if you go into a pub... ...and the staff... ...immediately exude... ...a kind of a sense of care and professionalism... ...that creates the atmosphere... ...where no one fucks around... ...no one was getting off, off their seats. ...everyone was sitting down... Drinks were brought to him. If you go to the toilet, you put on your mask. Happy times. And it was good for me because... I haven't had... kind of conversational stimulation with another person in... about six months. Alright? I've been speaking to people... but mainly about business and shit like that... but I haven't had fun. I haven't had fun chats. And the first time I had that there was this weekend... And the benefit of... Like, I'm a very introverted person. I don't spend a huge amount of time around people. But quarantine and coronavirus has made me realise that the small bit of time that I do spend with people just having the crack is essential for my creative process. It's like... It's what tickles my brain. It's what tickles and shakes my brain and excites me. And then when I leave that space... It's like like my, my head is a fucking jar... And when it, when, when, when my, when my jar head isn't being shaken with interactions with other human beings, then all the ideas float down to the bottom as a sediment. So I need someone to shake up that sediment so that I can grab new ideas. So that's what this Friday was like for me. So I had a lovely, rich weekend of thinking about things. My curiosity was returning. All, so I'm, I'm very happy. I'm a happy camper, I'll be honest. But I went into overdrive. And I started... I started pondering a new theory of reality... That I want to share with you, right? now, I'm not saying it's... I'm not saying this is the truth. I haven't found some new fucking... Religious outlook on life. I just have a, a theory of reality... That jumped into my head this weekend. And... It all started because... So if you've looked at the news, they announced this week that they may have found signs of life on Venus. Okay, they found the presence of phosphine gas in the atmosphere of Venus, and this is the strongest sign yet that scientists have gotten to suggest. Holy fuck, there might be life there. We can't think of any other reason that phosphine gas would exist in the atmosphere of Venus other than that being produced by some life form okay and in all my years on the planet this is the closest that we've seen to there might be life and my first reaction it wasn't like my first reaction wasn't bemusement or fascination or excitement all these things you'd associate with Scientists saying there might be life on Venus. You know, in all of human existence. Like, we have been. How long have modern humans been around for? Us, proper Homo sapiens, people exactly like you and me, 50,000 years on this planet. Okay? 50,000 years for modern human beings. When I saw that there might be life on Venus, my reaction was, no, not now. Not in 2020, man. No, not in 2020. You're taking the piss. If, if we find aliens in 2020, even if they're microbes, nah, not having it, not 2020. Because 2020 has been fucking mad. There's a global pandemic. Our entire lives have changed completely. San Francisco is bright orange because of climate change. Trees in the West of America are exploding. There's riots all over America. The President of America told people to drink bleach because he heard that that cures the virus that's causing the pandemic. In July, the Pentagon released a lot of footage of UFOs from its pilots, from from US Air Force pilots. And then a a member of the Pentagon said, we have been looking at spacecraft that are quote-unquote not of this Earth. The British government came out and said it intends to violate uh, international law So every one of those things would define a year, but news is getting madder and madder on a weekly basis. Just the past 24 hours alone, the Irish government released its five-point plan for living with the coronavirus. They had one job. The job was be concise with the important information about people's health. And instead of being concise, they were like, here's our five-point plan, one, two, three, four, five. Currently, Dublin is on level two and a bit. So they gave us a superposition between two and three. It's like, here's a five point point plan. Level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. Different levels of severity and reactions. And then when someone says, where's Dublin? They go, two and a bit. And then a half an hour later, the government is dissolved because the Minister for Health thinks he has coronavirus and the entire government has to self-isolate for 14 fucking days. That's just the past 24 hours. Madness. You couldn't write it. It's like a, a racist 19th century English caricature about how incompetently bizarre Irish people are. And that's just the past 24 hours. So the news in 2020 is just mad consistently. Consistently Mind-boggling. If Bill Clinton told people to drink bleach in 1996, from the podium of the presidency, it would be the biggest story of the year. It's that simple, rather than something that was just a story for a week. But, when I saw the news, clearest signs of life on another planet yet, my reaction was, no way. If they give this to us in 2020, if we get aliens... If that's the story, is there's aliens, then something bigger is at play regarding the fabric of what reality is. So I'm going to give you my little hot take. And I'm not saying this is true. This is just my confused and anxious brain trying to search for a sense of meaning and a sense of narrative. But I'm going to share with you my theory and I'm going to try and back it up with evidence along the way, if I can. So in the Amazon rainforest, right, there's this species of ant called Camponotus leonardi. I won't be saying that name again. So there's this species of ant in the Amazon rainforest. And if you think of a rainforest, rainforests, they have like canopies. So you've got the tops of these really tall trees and then the middle bit and then the ground, okay? The ground which sees very little light and that's where all the humidity is. And these ants, they live in the trees. And the ants go from tree to tree but sometimes in order for the ants as a colony to get from one tree to the other if they can't do it via leaves they need to go to the forest floor in order to get to the other tree, okay? And the forest floor... Is a particularly dangerous place for the ants because there's predators there and they don't like being on the forest floor. They like to be up in the leaves. So, on the forest floor, there's this fungus, right? And it's a parasitic fungus. And what happens is when the ants have to travel, this fungus attaches itself to the ants and then it enters. The brains of certain ants now the ant initially doesn't know that it's been infected with this fungus and it just carries on doing its thing within the colony of the other ants but as the fungus enters its brain and starts to grow it starts to take over the ant's central nervous system and this fungus it's colloquially known as a zombie fungus. The ant loses the ability to control itself. But the other other ants can, can't tell the difference. And this fungus stretches out from its brain into its body and starts to control the ant's muscles. Now the ant has this symbiotic, parasitic relationship with this fungus in its brain that's controlling the ant and telling it, what to do and where to go but the other ants can't tell the difference so when the fungus finally has full control of the ant it makes the ant it steers and controls the ant to climb up the tree and go to exactly the right spot where there's just enough light just enough moisture for the fungus to grow and then it controls the ant's jaws and it gives the ant a type of a superhuman strength it gives the ant more strength than the ant should have and the fungus finally makes the ants its, its teeth it makes the ant grab into the side of the tree or the side of a leaf in a death grip and the ant is stuck there and then the fungus grows out of its head like this crazy fucking antenna and the ant dies As the fungus feasts on its body and sends out this queer fucking antenna from its head and then once the antenna is out there it sends spores everywhere and infects the rest of the colony and then all the other ants get infected with this uh, parasitic zombie brain fungus and the same thing happens to them. So it's this fungus that gets into the brains of ants and controls how they behave for the death of the colony. Now... You might be wondering, why are you talking about ants? Zombie ants and funguses. What does this have to do with Donald Trump? What does this have to do with... Orange San Francisco? What does this have to do with... Possible life on Venus and 2020? What does it have to do with 2020? But what I'm interested in... What's informing my hot take... Is... Parasitic symbiosis. Okay? A symbiotic relationship is... It's like in, a, in an ecosystem when two two species or more more than two species have a beneficial relationship with each other in an ecosystem, right? But a parasitic symbiosis is when, like, a third party comes in, and the it kind of takes advantage of a symbiosis, and it doesn't benefit the species. It can be harmful. That fungus that infects the ants is an example of that. Another example is... There's this type of toxoplasma, right? Which... It can only reproduce. And it can only, it can only survive when it's inside a cat, okay? But the toxoplasma when it's in cats is utterly harmless to the cat. The cat wouldn't even know it's in there. And it reproduces in the cat. But the way that the toxoplasma gets into a cat in order to reproduce is the Toxoplasma does it through mice. So it is harmful to mice. So when a mouse becomes infected with this Toxoplasma, it takes over the mouse's behaviour and the mouse loses its fear of cats. And then the mouse, who's infected with the Toxoplasma, who isn't afraid of cats, gets eaten. And then the Toxoplasma enters the cat's body via the eaten mouse because the mouse wasn't afraid of the cat and now the toxoplasma gets to reproduce inside the cat that's a parasitic symbiotic relationship there's a type of flatworm and this flatworm can enter the bodies of snails and when it gets into the snail's body it attacks the snail's bollocks right so it gets into the snail's testicles essentially and it removes the testicles and sends the snail into like a frenzy of wanking so the flatworm parasite is in the snail's testicles and each night the snail is like coming everywhere but what it's coming is the larvae it's it the larvae of the flatworm so the snail becomes this machine for reproducing the larvae of this fucking snail right but then the, the larvae of the flatworm via the Consistently masturbating snail gets into a pond and then the larvae infects tadpoles and when the larvae gets into the tadpoles it causes the tadpoles to grow extra limbs and then the tadpoles grow into little frogs that have like three legs but when a little frog has three legs it all, the frogs that have been infected with the snail bollock parasite Those frogs with three legs, they can't hop around properly. And then when the birds are looking to eat little frogs, they only eat the frogs that have three legs because they're the easiest to catch. And now the parasite is in the stomach of the bird that just ate the frog and the bird does a shit and the parasite's in the shit and it goes back down to the ground and then it infects a snail again and starts to control its bollocks. And the cycle continues. That's a symbiotic parasitic relationship in nature. I wanted to give you three examples of it just to to show you what this is. This is what I'm interested in: symbiotic, parasitic relationships, and this new theory of reality that I have. So, as the news gets more extreme and more shocking, and like we're 2020, and our jaws are dropping to the floor each week with like at this stage now we're in just a a loop of mad news and I think for most people nothing can shock us now nothing can shock us so much crazy shit has been happening to me it started in about 2015 the real beginning of it 2016 happened right 2016 was bonkers a lot of celebrities died it's like David Bowie's dead oh fuck Prince is dead Ah, oh, boss, George Michael. Like all these celebrities died in 2016. And it was like, why are you fucking serious? That's too many celebrities for one year. What's going on? And, th- and then Trump came in and then Brexit came in and news started getting mad. And it's been that way since. It wasn't like this in 2010. I mean, OK, 9-11 was mad. 9-11 was mad, but there was nothing like 9 for a while shit started getting crazy in 2015 and really ramping up in 2016 and it's been going like that since. Actually no the real real tipping point the real tipping point there was one thing ISIS the shit that ISIS were doing using using social media and and creating terrorism as a social media spectacle and then when, when shit flipped when shit flipped and I'm like, I can't believe what's happening. When David Cameron fucked a pig's mouth. 2015, and you're reading the news, and it's like, we have got serious evidence here that David Cameron, the fucking Prime Minister of Britain, fucked a dead pig's mouth. That was the one when I went, what the fuck is going on here? This is new. Because that was new. We've had shocking news before, but it's like, the Prime Minister of England fucked a pig's mouth. 2015. That was the flip. That's when shit went sour. That's when that's when the, the all started. The ball started rolling, and then Prince is dead, and then George Michael is dead, and you're going fuck me. This is getting mad. Is someone writing this? I can't put my phone down. I can't put my phone down. And I always ask myself, who benefits? Sometimes with anything, with anything. If everyone confused about anything. I always ask myself, who benefits? Who benefits? And the only thing, not who, but the only thing I can see benefiting from the news cycle is the algorithm that controls social media. The more extreme the news, the longer we spend consuming the news on our smartphone devices and then the more data of our behaviour that we feed into this ever-growing algorithm, okay? And the algorithm, like I'm talking not just Google, not just Facebook, but the collective giant artificial intelligence of the algorithm that kind of the internet lives and breathes on. The more time we spend engaging with our smartphones the more data we give and the more the algorithm is fed. Now, yes, there are human beings that are getting really rich off this. Mark Zuckerberg, the people who run Google, the the people who run Twitter, whatever. Human beings are getting wealthy. But my hot take isn't, I don't want to focus this on human beings, more that the algorithm is, is becoming like an organism the the algorithm is feeding off our attention right because the algorithm is is what benefits from all this if something mad happens the algorithm has a full belly it it gets our data and it's sucking and feeding off our data in order to survive and grow so now here's another piece of information i want to introduce to my hot take on reality. So. Last month. There was a breakthrough. In physics. In quantum physics. Now I'm going to try my best to fucking. To explain this because I don't fully understand it. I have to read articles about this shit but. They had a big breakthrough. And this was released in, in a proper fucking. Quantum physics paper. I saw it on Professor Brian Cox's Twitter. Because he posted about it. So basically last month they seem to have solved a solution that black holes emit some type of quantum error correction code that's used in quantum computing. So, a a black hole, lads, uh, physicists are obsessed with black holes because a black hole is a star like our sun. When it gets to the end of its life and it goes massive, then it collapses in on itself and it rips the fabric of space and that's called a black hole and... Black holes don't conform to reality. Within a black hole, time doesn't exist. Space doesn't exist. Like what the fuck? Time doesn't exist in a black hole. Like th- that alone. Th- there is a place in the universe, and time doesn't exist in there. Like we can't even get our heads around that. But because that that is observably true and it exists, there's some shit about fucking reality that we don't get. And and it's not you can touch your fucking legs, you can touch the wall and you can say I am here and yesterday was yesterday and tomorrow is tomorrow but in black holes that doesn't exist and they're there so that's some fucked up shit that we don't understand but these black holes appear to have quantum correction codes, quantum computing correction codes in these black holes and it's allowed physics to understand black holes a bit more Quantum computing is becoming a thing. If you want to hear more about quantum computing and hear an expert describe it, go to my podcast called Quantum Quarantino where I interviewed uh, Professor Michael Brooks who is a fucking quantum physicist and he explains it way better than me. But quantum computers are becoming a thing and scientists are trying to figure out how to use them. So in a nutshell, I can't explain what the fuck was discovered ...in August... ...right I can't explain it... ...because I'm not a quantum physicist... ...but what I can say is... ...on Professor Brian Cox's... ...Twitter... ...a load of scientists... ...are replying underneath... ...and this new... ...discovery... ...that black holes are emitting... ...quantum error correction codes... ...points towards... ...the idea... ...that uni- the universe and reality... ...might be a simulation... ...okay... ...there is a theory of reality, okay? A hypothetical theory of reality that we live in in a type of computer simulation, almost like a a video game. Like, we create video games like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption 2, where we have a little character in the game and they have a world and that's their reality, their limited reality. And some physicists say that what we call reality, because what the fuck is reality, lads? What is it? What the fuck is being alive? What is consciousness? Some physicists say that we live in, in a a type of giant computer simulation, which would suggest that maybe the computer was designed. But this new physics breakthrough, that black holes are emitting a quantum correcting code and that this code is present in quantum computers, is the, the clearest evidence yet that points towards fuck it. Maybe all reality is, is a type of quantum computer simulation, and that's what reality is, okay? And, and it, this isn't new. H-Hinduism, Hinduism, Hinduism, the, the Hinduism and the Vedic scriptures have pointed as reality being a type of simulation. I believe in Hinduism, there's a thing called Maya, and Maya within Hinduism is like the illusion, the simulation, the illusion, that's created by the gods. That are our everything. Our, our perception of being alive and smelling and touching and tasting—it's—it's it's an illusion, a simulation that's created. So, simulation theory—you can find it in in uh, in religions. But physicists have this as a genuine. This might be one theory of what the fuck life is. It's a giant computer simulation. So here's here's where my hot take is leading. I've heard it been said that like the, the, the purpose of humans, like we're organic, but that the purpose of humans is that we're essentially the sex organs of machines, That that humans exist and we continually strive towards technology and building machines and we obsess about, I mean, now we're at quantum computing, we're at artificial intelligence, we're going to get towards machines that can build themselves and that the purpose of humans is that we're machines, we're their sex organs, we're the thing that make machines come alive and there's going to be an end point where machines can self-replicate and don't need humans anymore. So taking it back to parasitic symbiosis, taking it back to the fungus that unknowingly infects the mind of the ant and causes the ant to behave uncontrollably. What if, right? The universe is this computer simulation that operates on quantum codes, as this new black hole carry on is suggesting towards. What if the universe and reality, as we know it, is this computer simulation, and what if the algorithm? The algorithm of the internet that we feed all the time has somehow developed a symbiotic parasitic relationship with the computer of reality. And, you know, the internet is a type of fungus. Like, the internet exists in nature. Trees, and this is, again, facts, there's a a huge network of funguses in the ground And trees and plants use this network of funguses to communicate with each other across great distances. This is the the mushroom internet. You can look that up. That's a thing that nature does. It uses funguses as a type of internet for plants to communicate with each other. It's an essential part of forests staying healthy. If one tree is injured or if one tree is under threat, it sends a message to a tree a mile away using the mushroom internet. Facts. What if the reason why everything in the news seems to be getting madder and madder and the events of the world each day utterly cause our jaws to drop? You know, what if we're getting aliens? It's the Venus shit that triggered this in me. What if we find out the phosphine gas on Venus is actually, yeah, there's life on Venus, there are only microbes, but that's huge. We think we're alone in the universe. We've always thought that. And then 2020, they go, no, no, Venus, man. ...some microbes up there... ...which shatters our entire perception of what life is... ...and they're giving it to us in 2020? They haven't given it to us... ...but if they do give it to us in 2020... ...we find this out... ...incredibly exciting... ...you know... ...and we feed... ...this information... ...causes our collective conscious... ...the collective consciousness of humanity... ...to now give all our attention... ...to our devices... ...right... ...to feed all of our data... ...our intense emotional data... ...into the fucking algorithm... ...the algorithm feeds off all this data... ...what if that's... ...the algorithm that we're growing... ...through some type of fucking... ...quantum computing or I don't know what the fuck... ...what if the algorithm... ...is a parasitic fungus... ...with a parasitic symbiotic relationship... ...with the very mechanics of reality... ...the very... ...the computer simulation of reality... ...we have created the parasitic fungus that is able to control the computer of reality. And the algorithm is creating the events of reality to feed itself data from our behaviour. The algorithm is the parasite fungus. The algorithm is making mad shit happen all the time to get a rise out of us. Because who benefits the algorithm? The madder the events of the world are, the more attention we give to the algorithm, the more it feeds off our data, the more powerful it becomes. It's parasitic. Our suffering feeds the algorithm. What if, like, if humans are the sex organs of the machines, you know, we're creating this algorithm, which is now effectively operating as a form of artificial intelligence. It's using us. It's using our behaviour. It's feeding off our behaviour. And the end point is imagine the algorithm as it's the fungus in the ant's brain and we're the ant's limbs being controlled like a zombie and the end point is our destruction the destruction of humankind because the the parasitic algorithm doesn't care the machine doesn't care human destruction, global warming, everything's gone but then finally the algorithm like the fungus in in the ant's brain just like sends off like when when the ant finally dies and the fungus the parasitic symbiotic parasitic fungus controls the ant when it dies, it sends off this little antenna out of the ant's brain. what 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 if that's what the machines are gonna do? We're gone the world is fucked and then finally the end stage, the machine sends its big antenna up above the earth and then it spreads. It spreads its spores and these spores grab onto comets or whatever and that's, that's how life is created and that's how we were created. That's how life got on earth. The spores of a machine's antenna after it had eaten some intelligent civilization and that's what the nature of reality is. That's what God is. It's a big machine in a computer simulation and we're just, we're just the sex organs of that machine. And we're approaching the end stages of it. So there you go. That That's that's what I've been thinking about all week. Now is it any matter than religion? Is it any matter than religion? Is that any matter than fucking God created the earth in seven days? I don't know. Am I suggesting that to you as as some type of dogmatic? How are you getting on, lads? I'm blind, boy, and I've figured out reality. No, I'm not absolutely not. What I'm doing is I'm trying to entertain you. I'm I'm entertaining you with some bizarre thoughts that I've had this week, because that's the purpose of this podcast. That's what a hot take is. So no, this is not my new position on life. And this is not my new religion. And I do not believe with authority that the algorithm is, is a symbiotic parasite with the computer simulation of reality. And that is consistently pushing the events of our world into more extreme situations so that we then give the fucking algorithm our attention it's just me trying to figure things out it's me trying to figure things out and trying to entertain ye along the process so don't be worrying about me don't be worrying about me because I can understand why you might listen to that podcast and think he's gone unhinged is he? blind by spending too much time alone during quarantine so I don't uh, you don't need to send me mail to check in with how I am. Um, I had that already actually. So on my Twitch stream, I know if you've, if most of you have come and seen me on Twitch, I do it three times a week, twitch.tv forward slash The Blind Podcast. And on Twitch, I'm live streaming, which means it's fully live. And often I'm writing music live to a video game. And because the entire thing is live, it's not very filtered. ...not a lot of thought goes into it... ...there's a lot of mistakes... ...it happens in the moment... ...but sometimes... ...I take isolated... ...like my Twitch stream could be three hours long... ...and if I do a nice little song... ...on a Twitch stream... ...sometimes I'll take the best clips... ...which could be five minutes long... ...and I'll put this up... ...on Facebook or on YouTube... ...and all it is... ...is a detached clip... ...of me... ...playing a song... ...to the events of a video game... ...and I put it up on Facebook... And there's a very small but dedicated community of older people. I wouldn't even say they're older. Some of them are in their fucking thirties. There's people on Facebook who don't know what Twitch is, don't know what live streaming is. And when they see my videos from Twitch on Facebook, they think that's me having a, a nervous breakdown. I've had several comments where I upload a little clip of a song that I've made on Twitch and it's me playing music to a video game and I've seen comments elsewhere of of grown men saying, Um, I saw a blind boy uploaded this clip and it was just him. It was him singing songs about a cowboy in a video game, and I just do you think there's people around him? Do you think do you think there's people around him to mind him? Because I think he might be having a nervous breakdown. So there's people who think I'm having a fucking nervous breakdown because they don't know what live streaming is and they don't know what Twitch is. So I'm not. Um but as well, I have to say it too, because, you know, that th- this podcast is mad. I know it's mad, but you have to be vigilant with your own friends as well during the pandemic because conspiracy theories and shit, you know, you have to be, you have to be vigilant of your friends when you hear them speaking about coronavirus is planned. Coronavirus is part of the new world order. Vaccines, it's all a plot to control us. Masks are a way to get social compliance so they can bring in a new world order. Lads, there's people in Irish homes right now who truly, deeply believe this shit because of the fucking algorithm, all down to the fucking algorithm. This continual feedback loop of bizarre information and being unable to tell the difference between what's true and what's not. And... You have to be vigilant to your friends. You have to be able to know. Like conspiracy theories are fun. Conspiracy theories are supposed to be fun. They're they're a conspiracy theory. You know, reality is confusing. And a conspiracy theory is is often the most interesting version of reality. We we take what's frightening and confusing. And you make a, a really interesting narrative out of it. And that's often what conspiracy theories are. But I can go through conspiracy theories and know that like. This isn't real. It's very fucking entertaining. Hugely entertaining. And it's fun to read about. And it's a lot more interesting than the truth. But I know it's not real. I know that, like, this is bullshit. But if your friend is believing this shit, you know, keep an eye out on them. Keep an eye out for him. Have have compassion. Try and don't don't confront them, but try and speak to them about you know, are you sure about these sources? Because the problem is with the conspiracy stuff is you start off Wondering if coronavirus is fake. And in three months time you're a fucking racist. Because the racists. The dangerous racists. Are very much exploiting and using the conspiracy theory community. For people to go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. Until they're a fucking Nazi. You know. So. Do be concerned for your friends. Don't be concerned for me. I am aware of how silly this podcast is. I'm having fun. I'm entertaining you. Also, if anyone is listening to this podcast and saying, Blind Boy, you sound like you've watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. That's immediate dog shit in in the letterbox. You're getting dog shit in the letterbox. So Netflix have this thing at the moment, and it is good. I watched it last week. It's called The Social Dilemma, and it's about the algorithm. If you want to understand the algorithm, it's a good thing. It's about the algorithm. It's about what's happening with our data, our behaviour, and how it feeds the algorithm. But this episode is not uh, fucking inspired by that. I, my BBC series, I made an episode of my BBC series called How the Internet Killed Reality. And I started writing that in 2017. So if you have the BBC iPlayer, Look up Blind by Undestroys the World. My series is on it. It's up for another two months, I believe. Look at the episode, How the Internet Killed Reality. And I did a very... Me and a team of fucking journalists and my co-writers I had, had resources. It's all about the algorithm. Did it fucking a year and a half before those Netflix cunts. A year and a half before them. All right? So I'm taking fucking credit. I was the first one, Netflix. Fuck you. But... And thank fuck it's been nominated for an award and it's been recognised at least. That documentary is there. It explains exactly what the algorithm is. We tied it all in with with psychology, with the operant conditioning, with the psychology of Skinner. And it's rigorous. It's not just me on a podcast talking out of my arse. It's me talking out of my arse what my heart takes, but everything I say... There's a team of journalists, a team of people to research it so that it's it's butterproof, it's solid. So get a look at that if you want to understand the internet and algorithms and data. And don't say that I'm watching that fucking social dilemma on Netflix, dog shit in the letterbox. So I think it's time now. I told you this whole story is going to end by me talking about how I took ecstasy on the radio. And that's going to happen, but we'll have a, a, a little ocarina pause first. So we'll do a shaker pause this week instead of an ocarina. Right, I'm going to do, for new listeners, an ad a digital advert's going to be inserted. Uh, this advert will depend upon your algorithm. You, However you behave on your phone, whatever you look up, whatever your interests are, the algorithm has read this, the algorithm is speaking to this podcast, and it's going to give you an advert that's tailored specifically just for you, depending on your interests. And that's what's going to get dropped in now. So let's have the shaker pause.
2: Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class, all-in-one robot vacuum, for only
0: $799. There was an advert for some stuff. Good stuff. I don't know. Good or shit. Who cares? So, the this podcast is sponsored by you, the listener, Right? I do have adverts every so often, but only adverts I'm happy with, if I'm not happy with the company, they can go fuck themselves. I have no problem telling advertisers to go fuck themselves. I've great difficulty getting advertisers because I speak very publicly about political things and that's poisonous for advertisers, but they can go fuck themselves. Come to my podcast if you want. If I like what you're doing, no problem. I'll speak about it. If I don't like what you're doing, you can fuck off. And I have the freedom to be like this because this podcast is supported by you, the listener, via the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash The Blind Boy Podcast. This is my sole source of income. This is what pays for the podcast. If you're consuming this podcast, if you're enjoying it, just pay me for the work I'm doing. That's all I'm asking. Price of a pint or a cup of coffee once a month. That's all it is. Pay me for the work that I'm doing. Also, by having a listener funded podcast. It gives me full editorial control. No one tells me what to talk about, who to have on as a guest. I've got full fucking control and it's a beautiful, beautiful model. And I earn a living from it. I get paid for the work I'm doing. I'm fucking happy as Larry with this. If, if you can't afford it, you don't have to because someone who can afford it is paying for you. Everyone's happy. But if you can't afford it, please consider Patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast. I gotta keep plugging it because people come and people go, and that's how I earn a living. I won't be doing gigs for a long time because of coronavirus. I'm, I might, I'm getting the itch. I'm getting the itch, right? So I'm going to look at seeing if I can do one or two socially distant gigs, which would be maybe 100 people in the audience. 100 people in the audience doesn't can't earn a living out of that but I kind of just want to do them just because I missed the live experience so if I can do it and I feel it's safe I'll do one or two of them but Patreon, Patreon is the way to support this podcast if you're enjoying it and I urge you to do it if you you can afford it because that's what keeps this going and it means I'm not behind a fucking paywall as well, I'm not putting my content beyond people who can't afford it follow me on Twitch oh yeah share the fucking podcast man share the podcast, tell people about it, review the podcast if you're using iPhone podcast app, subscribe to it, all that shit, leave a review, that really helps me. Come join me on Twitch, three times a week on Twitch, you can talk to me alright, I do live streaming I, 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 I write songs to video games live and it's great crack or sometimes I just go on to Twitch and I talk, that's it and if you're on Twitch as well You can get into the comments and you can talk to me live. Sometimes I talk about the podcast, whatever the fuck. It's great fun. Twitch.tv forward slash The Blind by Podcast. Okay. Also, regarding the Patreon. Once a month, I pick one patron and I will create a hand drawing, a piece, a one of a kind piece of art and I'll send it to that one patron, like an art lottery, just as a little thank you. So... The central tenet of this podcast, and what got me thinking about this podcast, this episode, the the news cycle is observably uh, extreme and irrational, and it's exponential. Since about 2015, the news has been getting progressively more bonkers, and I can't understand it, you know, it could be the fucking internet fungus controlling the computer of reality, I don't know but it's observable and it's true and it's happening. And I'm always trying to figure out, you know, where was the moment? I said, like David Cameron fucking, at, fucking a pig's mouth. That was a big one. But another one was, in 2015, Ireland, the country of fucking Ireland, accidentally legalised drugs for 24 hours. So what happened is, the... There was a law introduced in 1977 in Ireland called the Misuse of Drugs Act. And this law made ketamine, ecstasy, controlled substances illegal. Okay, But in 2015, the Court of Appeal found that when they tried to introduce this act in 1977, they did it via ministerial order, but they failed to run it by the Oireachtas. The Oireachtas is the, the legislator of Ireland. So they tried to pass this law on drugs in 1977 and someone forgot to run it by the Oireachtas. Effectively meaning the law it, it the law violated the constitution. In order for this act to come into effect, it meant that the Oireachtas, which included the president, had to go, yeah, drugs are illegal now, we pass this act. That never happened. So the Court of Appe- Appeal found this out in 2015 and went to the government and were like, lads, you think you made drugs illegal, but you actually didn't. You're after violating the constitution. So the government went fucking apeshit. And they were like, well, we have to introduce emergency legislation now to actually make these drugs illegal. But in order to do it, there was 24 hours in 2015 where these drugs were legal. It was the 10th of March. 2015 as well, which is dangerously close to St Patrick's Day 2017. That's a week before St Patrick's Day. It could, co- like, if it was a week later and they'd legalize drugs on St Patrick's Day when the entire country is having a party. So, yes, literally in 20 fucking 15, I think it was before Cameron fucked a pig's mouth, but we couldn't believe it. The country couldn't believe it. It's like what? Ireland accidentally legalized ecstasy, ketamine, mushrooms. Are you fucking serious? And it was really embarrassing for Ireland because it made huge international news. The, one of the, the the international perception of Ireland is often based on English, kind of old school English racism. We're really we're not seen internationally as a real country. We're not really taken seriously as a nation. We're seen as very funny little leprechauns who are trying our best you know that's kind of how we're seeing funny little leprechauns who you know we're corrupt and we nod and we wink and we give incomplete answers that's why like today what was so shocking is the government are trying to introduce coronavirus legislation with a five-step plan and then when asked they say well one of them is two and a bit it's not it's not two and it's not three, it's two and a bit. Which plays exactly into the negative perceptions that the world has of Ireland been an incompetent, funny place where crazy shit happens. And in a way it is. In a way it is, and it's part of our charm. But it can get insulting, especially when the fucking Brits say it. But the whole world had a laugh at Ireland. But there was 24 fucking hours. Where drugs were legal. And... The guards kind of turned a blind eye. I mean, around the country, certain nightclubs... Like, there was a nightclub in Dublin. Fuck it, actually, it was, it was 48 hours. It was 48 hours of legal drugs. So, like, Vice at the time, Vice sent basically sent reporters to Dublin, going, right, OK, well, if fucking drugs are legal for 24 hours, or for 48 hours, we want to be there, we want to see it. So they did... Uh, they went to nightclubs, and... Lo and behold, people were racking up lines of coke. People were doing ketamine. People were taking ecstasy. And the police weren't there. The police couldn't, in that period, the Irish police couldn't fucking arrest someone if they were doing coke. And it happened. So, in 2015, I would have been in the middle of my master's degree. And my master's degree was in socially engaged art. My master's degree was in trying to understand myself as a performer, trying to understand how do you create art by like using the media, using society and incorporating these things into your art as acts of performance. So I said to myself, because I'm I'm thinking artistically at this time, I'm in my fucking master's. Why don't I, because ecstasy is legal and because drugs are legal, like one thing you can't do. You can't go on the radio or television under the influence of an illegal substance. You certainly can't say it. It's in violation of broadcast laws. But for 48 hours, these drugs were now legal. Therefore, why can't somebody go on television or the radio on drugs? Why can't they? So I was thinking, I I set myself a challenge. I said, as an act of performance art as an act of fucking performance art can I go on television or radio under the influence of a drug that is legal for that period of time as an as an act of performance art within that period and can I make the goal the thing with socially engaged art and the the socially engaged art that I'm interested in is using art and artistic performance for positive social change to, to create artistic interventions in society whereby what you're doing is creating a different means of communication. I do this all the time with this podcast. I do it with mental health. I appear on talk shows with a fucking plastic bag on my, on my head and speak about mental health. I'm using performance, comedy, art, clowning as an alternative way to get a message across because that can be more effective than the traditional way to do it. Doing it through performance and through entertainment and through humour and through art to get a message across or try to get people to think about things differently is an act of performance art. Because as well, if, if you can use humour, absurdity effectively around situations that are stigmatised or that people are scared to talk about. If you can cut through that with humour, what it does is you're, what you're actually cutting through is solemnity. When we speak about things that are, that we think are serious, like mental health, drugs, addiction, often we're not being serious about it. What we're being is solemn. And when you're solemn about something you're defensive and and you don't think about it, you don't engage critically with the subject because you're worried about saying the wrong thing or you're worried about appearing serious. So what I like to do is to use humour to break through the solemnity of something while still caring deeply and being respectful for whatever it is I'm talking about. So you can remove stigma by peeling back the solemnity through the Through the effective use of humour or creativity. So, on the 10th of March 2015, I put a call out on Facebook. And I said, I will go... Uh, uh, radio stations. I will go on your radio station on ecstasy. I'll take a yoke. I'm going to take a yoke and you can interview me. Who wants to do it? So I put that call out. And... I got a phone call back from News Talk, who are a pretty big fucking Irish um, radio station, one of the biggest. And they said to me, they, they, they didn't say explicitly. I, so I'd said on I'd said on, on, on Facebook, I will take a yoke and come on the radio. So they rang me up and said, we saw your post. Will you come on and speak to Tom Dunn? That they were very careful. They, they didn't say to me, now you're definitely going to be on drugs now, are you? They just said, we saw your post, will you come and talk to Tom? And I'm guessing they're thinking, if I am or I'm not on ecstasy, it doesn't matter. Because it's actually fucking legal. So I rang him up. I rang him up and had a chat with Tom Dunn on a yoke. And do you know what? Because I just think it's wise going forward into the future. I will I will never confirm or deny if I'm actually on ecstasy in this radio piece. Uh, just going forward, I don't know what am I going to be doing in 10 years. I will not confirm or deny if I'm actually on ecstasy. But if I was, then what are you going to do? It was legal anyway. It was legal anyway. It was a lot of fun. Um, So that's what I'm going to play for you now. This is 2015. I rang up the Tom Dunn radio show. It would have had a pretty fucking big listenership. This would have been about 5 pm in the day. One of the biggest radio shows in the country. So a lot of people listening. And Blind by rings up on ecstasy as an act of performance. It's legal. Do ecstasy on the radio. See what happens. Try and speak about sense that was my goal. Can I speak about sensible drug legislation? Can I use this opportunity? Can I use this spectacle? This absurd spectacle. This absurd performance. Can I use this to actually get five or six minutes on the radio to speak about sen- sensible harm reduction drug and, and, and sensible drug legislation, which is something I would never, never usually get a platform for at all, especially not in 2015. It was before the podcast. People still thought I was a bit of an eejit, you know.
2: Um, As I said, thanks to a temporary loophole in the law, the possession of XC, ketamine, crystal meth, and more than 100 other substances are no longer considered a criminal offence until midnight on Thursday. Uh, blind Boy Boat Club of the Rub Bandits on the line. Blind Boy, how are you? How, oh, Tom? Oh, please,
1: Tom. What's the fact? I'm a second. I'm at a party. <laughs> right. Let's
2: turn it Okay. Uh, just. I'm
1: getting on, Tom. I'm
2: getting on. Great. Listen, you said on Twitter. I just wanted to talk about this. What? You, you said on Twitter you'd be on legally consumed yips. What's that mean, Blind Boy?
1: My legs are having an argument with my shoulders about how much rank my body is charging.
2: Right. Okay. That sounds good to me.
1: (laughs) But I'm no. All right, I'll be honest. I'm on a yoke, right? But if we take the word yoke to mean a colloquial term for any object that doesn't have a name in Ireland, so I'm standing on an object and I don't know the name of it. Fair enough. Technically, I'm on a yoke.
2: Right, that sounds perfectly legal to me. And a yeah, board and all good. Even if
1: it wasn't, it would be legal anyway, you know?
2: At the moment it would be legal. There's no question about that, no matter where you are. That's yeah. that's just the way it stands. What do you make of it? What do you think? I mean, I couldn't imagine this happening in America, could you?
1: Um I think it's 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 a legislative anomaly which not only exposes massive incompetence in our system, but also calls into question the rationale of drug laws themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like
2: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there all right. Yeah.
1: The um, other fella, the other fella, he's just had to go to Line Academy and have a frame pitch for frying pictures of Charles Stewart Parnell and now he's upstairs in the attic looking for a ladder to get out of a cave hole.
2: Well, it's just well we're not talking to him.
1: Oh, yeah, he's not on the radio. He's not. No. He's upstairs in the attic, yeah.
2: Right. Um, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? There's 24 hours before this midnight on Thursday when normality returns.
1: Well, I mean, already down here in Limerick, I only went for a cycle and I seen two fishermen giving each other back rubs, you know what I mean? So, like, it's clearly the effects here are rippling in Limerick. I mean, it, it can be seen on the street. But. I don't know, I, th- I think it, 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 the government's after almost doing an artistic intervention on itself because we now have this opportunity. It's so absurd, the entire world is now staring at Ireland's law and laughing because it's so ridiculous. It's like we, Ireland accidentally legalised drugs for 48 hours, you know? But I think what it does, is it, 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 you can open up conversations now about the, the problems with, with with legislation and regulation. You see, prohibition, it's a binary problem, It's a it, it's a... Or sorry, but, but prohibition is a binary solution; it's a black and white solution. Yeah. But addiction and drugs—it's it, a postmodern problem. It, it's 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 colourful, and we need to look at it more. I mean, if you take ecstasy, uh, for example, that, like the actual chemical MDMA, that's when that's not abused, it's actually safe. But the thing is that because uh, it, it, of the illegality, it, it's. It's forced the production of of ecstasy into the black market rather than a more sensible model of, of regulation, you know.
2: You're right. And I don't
1: think I don't think people are ever going to stop no, taking yoke. That's a, a, as long long, as
2: no, it's a long argument though, um, which it tends is to just go around in circles. But you've seen two fishermen giving each other back rubs already. Yeah. And there's 24 more hours of this.
1: There's 24 more hours of it. Like so, I think I'm go- I'm waiting to see a trawler full of fishermen not only rubbing their own backs, but rubbing the fish's backs as well, you know, the fish might get involved as well, you never it's even know, but, I think as well, we need to move towards, uh, towards a conversation about, about mental health as well, I mean, that's the thing, I'm not into telling adults, to do anything, an adult can do whatever they want, but the, the one thing I would say to any person, who wants to take a drug, whether that be heroin or chocolate, do you know what I mean, anytime you get a pang in your body, for any substance, even if, uh, if it's a cigarette, you have an opportunity there to ask yourself, using intrapersonal emotional intelligence, why do I want this substance right now? If you're stressed during exams or something and you want to smoke a fag, ask yourself, why do I want this? And when you explore your own emotion and solve that out using intrapersonal intelligence, you'll actually find out that you mightn't want that substance anymore. And that's what I'd say to anybody. Always ask yourself at any point, why do I want this? And that goes for chocolate. That goes yeah. for anything that's open to abuse. It, it's at at the core of all of this. We've got a mental health discussion, and it's it, it's hard to have rational mental health when the drugs laws themselves are irrational. Yeah. You have there a, it's a point of contention that exists, and we can't conquer it until there's a bit of rationality. You know.
2: Well, tomorrow but, there's there's a twenty four hour opportunity for lots of people to ask themselves questions.
1: There is, and yeah. we, let, let's just embrace whether people want to legally avail of what's available. I think everybody should embrace the absurdest intervention that has just happened for these forty-eight hours, and, and, and just go. I mean, it's the spirit of Flann O'Brien alive and well. It is. <laughs> <laughs> in it's Ireland you know.
2: bloody years I, I, I don't think I've seen anything like this since the bank guaranteed, to be honest I don't think we've had the world looking it's at madness in disbelief it's like absolute. this since then you know it, it's truly amazing uh, we'll watch this space the next 24 hours to see what's going on but listen tell me you guys seem to be absolutely thriving since you went over across the water to London we're
1: doing alright yeah. we've got uh, we're off out of three, three shows there in, in the Abbey Theatre uh, that are on uh this March but <clears throat> because they're after setting out we're announcing a show a show on the 25th of March in the Abbey Theatre which is going on sale tomorrow and what and, uh,
2: what is that uh, show about?
1: it's our musical it's a musical that we took it to London and we took it to Edinburgh and we toured the UK with it to the Cracking and Tans you know and they got it we went to Shakespeare's Globe Theatre with it two nights in a row and <clears throat> now the you know because you, you kind of get respect in, in the UK then you get a bit of respect then in Ireland the way it works but here's the thing, right? The like I said earlier, I'm on a yoke, right? right. Now, we, we, we established what a yoke was. Yeah. I'm not the first uh, Abbey Theatre artist to do that because Samuel Beckett used to advertise his Abbey Theatre shows by sniffing permanent markers and using Mars code. Did he? He did, yeah. He was non-stop. Man, you couldn't keep Samuel Beckett away from permanent markers. It was non-stop. He'd be black in him. Look at any of his photographs. He was mad for the permanent markers. And tarmac. You used to go out in a hot day and sniff the tarmac. That's (laughs) That's <laughs> what waiting For God is about It's what waiting For the sun to come out And, and melt the tarmac
2: You live and learn Blind boy You live and learn
1: Yes
2: <laughs> Oh my god Right Here uh, Come here Thomas uh, Seriously yeah.
1: man Will you play yeah. Something what? off The Prodigy Experience I will Any song off The Prodigy Experience Please I will
2: I'm going to play a few now Blind boy It's good been man, an I absolute love pleasure I you really, I love, I really I love, love you. you Very much man. I love you
1: And I mean that I, really I love mean you. it Alright Have a good night man
0: I'd forgotten... I'd forgotten about that. I'd forgotten to put in the fucking prodigy at the end after I asked. So... Ah, oh fuck it. I haven't heard that in a while now. I think I did fucking half of that in in, in the Trout of No Cracks accent. But, like... Uh, Tom was good crack there now. Tom was good. a good sport for that. I'd forgotten about that. that uh, that's the first time I'd li- I've listened to that in full now. In nearly five years. Um... So yeah, that, that was, that was one of those ones. It's like Ireland legalized drugs for 48 hours. That was one of those 2015 stories that, where the news started getting crazy, started getting strange. And that was good fun. Today FM, our, our news talk, because I used the full extract there, which was like seven minutes. Um, hopefully I'm allowed to use that under, under fair use. Which means I used it for, for critic, uh, for commentary and documentary and and for criticality. That's why I used the whole thing. Um, hopefully they won't have an issue with me using that. So, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. I certainly enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed the hot take. Um, mind yourself. Have compassion for yourself. Rub a dog, rub a cat. I'm going to be back next week. Don't know what I'll be back doing or talking about having a clue. I'll figure that out. Um... I'm currently working out how to do some interviews via Zoom so I can have guests on again and speak to them via Zoom and get some decent audio quality too. So I'm trying to, maybe not Zoom, there's a piece of software called Zencaster, which appears to be quite good. So I can do some podcast interviews for ye, but the audio quality on the other person's end is is pretty good so that it's not, it doesn't interfere with your podcast hug, if you get me. All right, Yart, God bless. Also, I don't think I need to fucking explain it. I think I explained it very well in that in that interview. Um, I'm not promoting the use of fucking drugs, all right? I don't tell adults what to do. I don't tell adults what to do. I don't espouse anything. Um, what I do is I, I'll, I said it all in that interview, but I, I'm not promoting drugs there. That was a, a, a certain time and place and I wanted to speak about drug legislation. I want to speak about sensible drug policy. All right, a health-based drugs model rather than a criminal-based drugs model. That was that was the purpose of that phone call. It was the purpose of that artistic intervention, not to say that drugs are class. You know, that's part of the humour of it. The humour of it is, ha ha, drugs are class. Ecstasy's cool. Blind boys at a party rubbing fish. Ha ha ha. That's that's the in. That's that's the the absurdity and the humour to get people listening. But once you have them in right, let's talk about mental health, let's talk about sensible drug policy, let's talk about harm reduction. So that's the context and intent of that. I don't think you're going to get offended anyway. See you next week.